0: All right, good to have you back. Kurt Her Morrison here, Maximize Your Influence, Podcast 460. Hope things are going well. Hope you come to learn some more tools on influence. Dealing with that difficult conversation, that one you just really aren't excited to have, but you need to have. You've been putting it off, or maybe you've had it five or six times before and it didn't do any good. How do you influence that person that's in denial? that keeps repeating the same mistakes. little squeaky this week. Just finished up a seminar in Southern California, and we had a lot of fun learning the skills on how to connect, how to build trust, and, of course, how to have that difficult conversation and still maintain the friendship. So let's dive into it. First, let's hope you're having a great week. Things are going well. You're achieving your goals. You're making a difference in the world. Whatever it is that you're focusing on, And we all know we all persuade and influence for a living, so let's crank it up a few notches. Let's learn those skills we should have learned in school. So let me kick it off with a persuasion ninja. (laughs) Last week we talked a little bit about contrast. I believe it was also a ninja last week where they were contrasting the creepy house with the talking doll. (laughs) Comparing that to a well-lit hotel... The ease, it was so nice. That's contrast. We see it everywhere from starting really high in the negotiation and coming down lower. You see in those before and after pictures on those weight loss infomercials for black and white, they're sad. The belly's hanging out, their posture's bad. The after picture, they're smiling, the photo's in color, they have a better posture. That's contrast. And so that's what this one's all about. This is the Ninja went to a movie theater and hadn't done that in a long time. I think we got out of habit there. Who doesn't love a good movie? And of course, movie theaters are having challenges. And it's not because they charge 20 bucks for a bucket of popcorn. Well, maybe that's one of the reasons. That's contrast, too, to where you look at their small, medium, and larges. You're like, why wouldn't I want a large for an extra 50 cents? But that's a whole nother podcast. So the contrast here is at the movie. Obviously, the screen's bigger than you have at home. The sound's probably a lot better than you have at home. Is the popcorn better? That's debatable. I think it depends where you go. And the movie have not started. They were just getting things rolling. And there was a little commercial there. It says, why are you watching a movie on your phone? It had this little size of a cell phone on this big screen. It says, you're missing out on the experience. You could have this. And it went big. Of course, you use all the magic surround sound. And wow, what a difference that it made. It was like you really you're watching on this, you're missing out on this huge experience. And you know that is true. Although it is convenient not to have to go to the movie theater, watch it on your phone. But that is the ninja to the movie theaters. Creative ad using the space, using what they had, contrasting that to watching it on a little cell phone with those little speakers and missing out on the experience. So that is our Persuasion Ninja of the Week. Hey, if you have a ninja or blunder, send it to me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Remember, MaximizeYourInfluence.com is the spot for everything you need. From the training tools to your free Persuasion IQ assessment, even pick up the new edition of Maximum Influence. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. There's a plug. That's where to go. Everything you need is right there. Hey, send me an email. Use your email on the show. You do get the gold level of influenceuniversity.com. Well, that brings us to our geeky scholarly article. Dad jokes. Are they funny? Do they work? So this was in British Psychology Society, JSTOR Daily and Psychology Today. A duck walks into a pharmacy and says, give me some lip balm and put it on my bill. <laughs> I don't know if you thought that was funny or not, but dad jokes are now officially in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Do they work? Does the eye roll? Still as good as a smile. The studies are in. They say dad jokes. Of course, there's mom jokes and other types of jokes. It's just a what they call an obvious or predictable pun or play on words. It judged to be endearingly corny or unfunny. <laughs> they go on to say that Reddit, the community online, there's 8.8 million members of people that share dad jokes. And there's over 300 books on these dad jokes. They're real. They're out there. I think it's kind of a rite of passage. And they go through in this article. And you can moan and groan. Let's look at some of them. Did you hear a joke about the paper? It was terrible. <laughs> Maybe not. Why did the orange stop halfway up the hill? It ran out of juice. Dad, did you get your hair cut? I've heard this one before. No, I got them all cut. What do sprinters eat before they race? Nothing. They fast. And to whoever stole my copy of Microsoft Office, I will find you. You have my word. If <laughs> you know that software. So those are official dad jokes. And they go on to say there's a connection there with fathers, children, dad jokes, teasing, and any jokes that they find unfunny or even embarrassing tend to connect and tend to work. And again, I'll put this link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But what's interesting, they said, well, is this the North America thing? But no, they have the same concept in Japan. It's called Oyali Gayagu, if I said that right, which means old men gags (laughs) or middle-aged gags. And the Danish culture, there are also dad jokes, but they call it uncle humor or grandfather jokes. And even in Korea, same type of thing. So this is around the world, kind of an interesting thing for these dad jokes. So they work, there's a connection, there's fun. They do say many dad jokes are worthy, and they have a slew of footnotes. If you want to go into it deeper, hey, it works. There's something about it. It's around the world. Because, you know, what's brown and sticky? A stick. What did one snowman say to the other one? Smells like carrots. <laughs> this is universal in a lot of countries around the world. Dads that embarrass, cringeworthy jokes. <laughs> and I've always been a big believer, even with humor, even if people are just smile on the inside, that little smirk, that little cringe, there's a connection there. Something happens in the brain to where there is that bond. It does help out. And they go on to say that humor... Brings people closer. We know this. Socially, releases stress. People like you more. And it creates rapport. There's just something fun about it. In fact, go to the archives and find out more about humor and the correlation of humor, likability, oxytocin, and persuasion. The link is bigger than I ever thought, but it's huge. So start creating a joke list. Sign up for a joke of the day club, internet website, whatever it is. Most of them are bad, most of them don't use, but everyone you'll get one that resonates with you. It kind of fits your personality. There's something about those. So there you have it. A, kicking some humor. B, if you're using dad jokes, keep it up. (laughs) There's something about it, especially now. We've talked about this. Just a little smile, a laugh, some silliness, even just a smile on the inside. A moan will take a moan over a dad joke. There's something fun about it. Is there any downside I guess if it's offensive and didn't fit the culture, there could be maybe some downside to it. But hey, got to love the humor. Stick with the dad jokes. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But now I got to keep it up. I've got scientific proof. So one of the things that kept coming up this week during training is that difficult conversation, maintain the relationship. You've tried it before. It didn't stick. didn't work out. What do we do? What is a way we can really come together and have that difficult conversation. So if you're in leadership or management, couple rules here, only one person angry at a time and it shouldn't be you because you're in leadership, you're in management, that's how it is. So is this a difficult person, difficult conversation, both, you know, why are people difficult? We're emotional creatures. something that's helped me is people react how they're feeling on the inside. And that 75%, and I don't know if I believe this number, but it's good to lock in your head, are going through something tough. In their lives at home somewhere, and it comes out and other people might come out against you. It could be a variety of things from low self-esteem to missing some filters. Maybe that's their normal, to low blood sugar, to a low willpower battery. We've talked about those. And of course, the big one, low EQ or emotional intelligence. There's two pieces to emotional intelligence, your ability to control and understand yours and read other people's emotions and trigger positive emotions in other people. So work on your emotional intelligence. You're like, well, how do I do that? You can go to the archives we have talked about it before. The big piece, though, I think you can do is you've got to be in the right state of mind, the right mindset. What do you need to do? Rehearse it with somebody else? Visualize it in your mind of what could go wrong, what could happen? And you've got to be at the point, too, and have some ownership here to realize that if you think you're going to get emotional, if you think you're going to get angry, you probably need to have more time before you have this difficult conversation you got to be in the right state. You've got to be in control. And so one of the ways to do that, being in the right state, emotions in check, have the ability to separate the facts from things that you're assuming. Because a lot of times we just assume they did it on purpose or they're out to get me. Try to just look at the facts, get your thoughts, clarified. get a good night's sleep if you need to, and be open to hear their point of view because you have to, have to, have to hear their point of view. Even if you are 100% correct with what they're thinking, what they're feeling, you still have to hear them out it's going to make them easier to influence it's going to give you pieces of the pie that you probably didn't have and we add to that too is choose the right time and place not monday morning probably not friday afternoon probably not as we talked about a few weeks ago when they're hangry right before lunch so choose a time that works and not only that the location we talk about this quite a bit in negotiation Do you need the upper hand, your office? Is it something neutral like a Zoom digital call? You think they might feel a little intimidated, their office, a little more relaxed, restaurant, maybe a conference room? There's choices here, square table, round table, all these things matter when you think about it. Just the setup, the preparation. The more you can prepare, you can visualize, you can think about it, get yourself in check, get yourself in the right state. I know you're busy. You don't have a lot of time to do these things rather than just showing up and having that conversation because that could go south or go bad for you very, very fast. Now, then once you've done that, right, we're still in the planning phase. We're still thinking, okay, what is their personality style? Are they the ones that run from conflict? Are they going to deny everything you say? What do you know about their personality? Are they going to be quick to anger, quick to lie? I mean, just kind of think about best ways to adapt your questions. And that's a big part of this, too, is you get to know them. If this is your first conversation, we're going back and forth, we're listening to each other. If this is the 10th time and you're the leader, you're the manager, it's probably a little bit more laying down the law. Here's what's going on, and here are the consequences. Check your emotions at the door. And what I would do is have something printed out if you can. Here are the facts. This is what's going on. And if you can prepare yourself throughout that conversation just to set it up this way, you're attacking the problem, not the person. Because once the person feels attacked, they're going to attack back. So you're there together attacking the problem. That is the key factor. That's the key factor. And hopefully you have a good relationship with them. They know that you have some empathy in there, that you're able to have that conversation as a friend. But they still have to know, even as a friend, they've broken the rule. This is the different conversation. This is what needs to change. So as you're doing that, tackling the problem together, you can do this. You're still giving them some hope that you believe in them, that there's something in it for them to make this change. Maybe there's more job security. Maybe it's not getting fired. Hopefully you can find some good benefits in there too to be able to do that. And then schedule it. Have it. You're there. I would recommend taking notes. You have eye contact. You've shut off your laptop or your cell phone. I mean, maybe you're using those to take notes, but... You don't want to get caught in the fubbing game. Hopefully you remember we were talking about that. When your cell phone buzzes, your email dings, you'll look away. No, you need the eye contact there. You're there. You're focused. You've gotten rid of all the distractions. And then you're trying to adapt to their style, to their communication style. You're talking about the facts. Remember, something printed out. Here's the graph, the chart. Because in their mind, well, I'm not late that often. No, 37% of the time, right here. Okay, it's printed out. Let's talk about the facts. we talk about the law of verbal packaging. The word fact has great pull to it. Using the word because tells the subconscious brain that a reason is coming. There's certain words you can use. And of course, certain words you don't want to use, well, you get angry fast. <laughs> you always, you never. If you've ever been in a relationship, you know there's certain things you should never say with those words. So be very careful with the words that you use. And then it's time to listen. You have to hear their story. And not just the pausing to reply listening. I'm talking about listening with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. You're there. You're with them. Uh-huh. Really tell me more. Why do you say that? You're asking more questions. You're exploring. You're digging. Not only does it make your relationship better, it shows that you care. And the tip I've always talked about that if you have a challenge with that, which most human brains do, we're not wired to be good listeners, is when you have a comment, a thought, you want to break in, you want to say something, restrain yourself. Write down your thought or idea on a piece of paper. Feel your brain kind of go, (laughs) whew. And you can continue on. You can go back to that note at a later time. So keep the questions coming. It's open. You're not getting into their emotional game. And we're trying to keep things. If we're talking about the negative, we can still do a little positivity, a little optimism that you believe in them, that they can solve this challenge, that you can help them out, that they're going to be better for this. Any type of conversation where you're trying to motivate them to do something, especially a difficult conversation, for most people, it's okay to crank up the desperation. Put a little salt in the wound. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably get fired. This is going to happen. Bring up the consequence of negativity. This is your last warning. This is a consequence. But you can buffer that with a little inspiration, a little hope. We've got this. We can do this. I believe in you. Hopefully you do. Then you can keep that conversation going. You should be listening most of the time, especially if it's the first time you had this difficult conversation with them. So what I would recommend is once you get to that point, you've heard them out, they feel heard, you feel like you're getting it. And remember, at any time, you can take a break. If you feel yourself getting emotional, getting upset, take a break, reschedule. That's enough for now. Let's revisit this in an hour. Pretend to have a cell phone call. If you're feeling it, they're getting to you. Oh, I got to take this call. It is a little rude, but it's better than going off and getting angry. And then together, come up with solutions. Now, if this is meeting number 10, no, you're going to tell them what's happening. But hey, if they can come up with their own solution, their own thought, because they're going to feel that their solution is the best solution. It's probably gonna be the same one you come up with. Explore different solutions, let them come up with some different solutions. Maybe brainstorm, start acting things out that aren't going to work, but get their feedback, get their ideas. And then pick one. You can pick one together. That's awesome. Because we know when you get people's advice and thoughts and feedback, they're just more invested. Even if you don't accept one of them, at least they feel heard. So get the solution out there. And I would say, all right, I'm just want to make sure I explained this right. Put it on you. Could you explain back to me in your own words? Make sure we're on the same page here that you gotta have them feed it back. You say correct. Then the critical thing here, you gotta cover your rear end on this one is you need to write an email in the next, let's say, 24 hours. Recap. This is what we talked about here, the takeaways here, the solutions here, the dates. Because remember, the human brain is not a hard drive. So what they remember from the meeting, what you remember are two very, very different things. That's just how our brains work. What we remember, what we recall. In fact, a group of psychologists, they went to this training, and they learned some different things. And two weeks later, they're asked what they learned. Half the stuff they brought up... <laughs> 50, over 50% of the stuff they brought up that they had learned was not even talked about in this training. So you send it out. It's there. It's written. Done, done, and done. But hey, stay in control here. Again, this is one of the first conversations. Get them to try to solve it. Ask lots of questions. Now, you don't want to ask too many questions when you're coming across as the interrogator the lawyer or the parent. You want to be the the doctor, you're asking the questions, you're trying to figure out what's going on, you really need to know that is the key. Now, if you do lose control, it's okay to ask a question, bring it back. The ones who'd ask the questions control the conversations. It's time for you to focus, shut the curtains, the windows, pick the location, all a big part of doing this the right way. If you're really, really concerned about what's going to be happening, what's going on, you can set some ground rules ahead of time. Especially if it's a difficult conversation with two or three different people, but maybe they're not getting along, maybe you're mediating, you've got to set the ground rules ahead of time, all right? Everyone gets two minutes. You can only talk if you're holding, uh, say, the stapler or whatever it is you choose. I will be neutral. I'll be taking notes. Here's the time frame. This is what's going on. You have to set those up ahead of time, especially if one's a really more of aggressive type personality, and you've got to make sure everyone feels heard as you go through this process. So there you have it, some tidbits on that difficult conversation. It's part of what we do, and we do it the right way. You can maintain the relationship. They can still feel that you care. They just know that they've crossed the line, and they've got to fix something, improve something, do something, change something. That is the key to this type of conversation. So do it, schedule it, prepare yourself, follow the formula that I talked about today, because it will make you more influential, a better leader, better influencer, and they'll be more willing to make that change instead of just telling them what to do. So there's another one for the books. Appreciate you being here. Let me know your comments, podcast ideas, thoughts. And hey, go to presentationiq.com. Why? There's 10 questions there about your presentation. Are you charismatic? Are you persuasive? Are you influential? Are you engaging? So what it does it helps you with my research. It's a quick 10 questions and for doing it, no to help you. As we rate your strengths and maybe some areas you need to work on, I'm going to give you the training, the perfect persuasive presentation, the template, the downloads, everything you need to craft, deliver, and become more charismatic throughout your presentations. Do it. Check it out at presentationiq.com. So take something you learned today, apply it, use it, Become more influential. Stay in control. Only one person angry at a time, and it shouldn't be you. And you'll master these skills. Be more influential. Be a better leader. And you will persuade with power.